0: And today, what you're going to learn is that we have to have the right reaction to Christ and the right heart towards him. Evangelism is comprised of three things, I believe, if you want to write this down. Number one is you have to have the right reaction. Evangelism means you have to have the right reaction. It also means you have to have the right living, the right kind of living. And finally, you have to have the right message. So the right reaction, right living, right message. We'll get to that in a second. But first, I'm going to ask you to do this little exercise. I want you to turn to the person next to you. And I will give you one minute to talk to that person about Jesus. Not like pretending, don't pretend like this is the first time you met them, unless it really is. But just anything that you're excited about with God, anything that you've read in your devotions, anything, just go for one minute. Now, go. Now, I was kind of observing, there's like a bunch of groups of three when I said pair up, but it's okay. And let me ask you, was it hard? We well, don't have to say it out loud, that's fine. Shh. Think about it this way, though. All evangelism should be spurred as a reaction to what Christ has done in your life. It should be an overflow of what God is already doing in your life. An undeniable experience. You see, evangelism isn't something you just turn on when you're at school. And you're like, all right, evangelism time. It's got to be an overflow of your life. My youth pastor, Joey Rozak, literally would go into ShopRite and start talking to the checkout lady about Jesus. He's like, well, you never know. Maybe they're a Christian. So I just start talking about my devotions. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. And sometimes you are like, oh, wow. What are we talking about? And they're like, they see my excitement. So it just kind of like overflows on them. You know, so your relationship with Jesus should be overflowing if you're having this undeniable experience. And so evangelism is having that right reaction to Christ. And if we're finding it hard to talk about Jesus, maybe we're not spending enough time with him. Now, I'm not saying that if you were, found it hard today that, you know, that, that's a sign that you're not a Christian or anything. I'm not saying that because it can be a little awkward for you to just jump right into it. I understand that. But your life should be overflowing with good news of what God is doing in your life. Because otherwise, can you really say that God is working in your life? Yeah, God's working, but I just got nothing to talk about. Because out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. It happens. It's going to be an overflow. So what you're experiencing with God will bubble and burst out of your mouth. Not in like vomit, but like in words. It's true. I'm going to ask you a question. If you were guaranteed that the... Everyone look up here for a second. I know you're taking notes. This is very important. If you were guaranteed that the next person you talked to was going to be saved... Would you evangelize to them? What do you say? Yes? Then why don't you? Why do we avoid situations in which we see an unbeliever? Because I'm assuming that most of us have an opportunity, even if it's not like a social situation, you go to the supermarket and there's unbelievers around you. You know, you go with your mom, you know, in my case, or whatever. (laughs) Or like Justin Purvis once observed when I got dropped off at Bagel Boy. It was the one time I was like, please don't let anyone see me. I don't have a car today. My mom's like, all right, goodbye, have a good day. I'm like, yes. And then I see Justin and Julianne turn around. I'm like, no, so embarrassing. I'm sorry, that's off topic. Anyway, so think about it like this way. If the reason why you are not sharing the gospel with someone is because you're afraid of how they will react to the gospel, then you're letting someone else's reaction to the gospel dictate your reaction to Christ. Think about that. If the reason why you don't evangelize is because you're not sure how it's going to turn out, you're letting someone's reaction to the gospel dictate your reaction to Christ. That's something Joey Roszak shared with me a long time ago. It's very profound. We should be speaking regardless. If God is working in our lives, shouldn't we be talking about it in our life? Look at Acts chapter 8. I want to give you the reason why I think many of us don't talk about it. Here you have in a passage in in Acts chapter 8 where Philip the evangelist is just going by the spirit. And he finds an Ethiopian eunuch. Now let's find out what happens. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise and go toward the south. Along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So, in other words, you're not going to really find a lot of people in desert, right? But the angel of the Lord directed him, and so he arose and went, in verse 27. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. That was pretty cool, right? So Philip's just walking down in the desert. Doesn't look like there's going to be an opportunity, but he was listening to the voice of the Spirit. That's the first thing you have to realize is when you're, you're guided by the Spirit, that means you're going to be listening to the voice of the Spirit. You're going to be going through your life, and it might seem like you're just going to the store, you're just going to school, you're just going to the mall, but maybe the Spirit's telling you to do something. Even if it doesn't seem like there's any opportunities around you. Even if it feels like a desert, there might be an opportunity right around the corner. And this is exactly what happened. So he was being sensitive to the Spirit's leading. The Spirit said, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip, in verse 30, ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I? Unless someone guides me. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? We just went over this passage not too long ago. Um in a message entitled, By His Wounds, if you want to look it up on the podcast. But looking at this passage, this is, you know, Jesus going to the cross. And how many of us have read these, we we read these passages so many times, and you've grown up in the church, all of a sudden, just by the amount of times that you've read it, it becomes a little bit dull. It's lost its impact, and we figured, yeah, we grasp that, yeah, Jesus going to the cross, yeah, communion... Okay, resurrection, got it, check that box, moving on. What else is there to learn? But do you understand what you are reading? When you're doing your devotional time in the morning, I suspect that most of you, hopefully, are taking time to spend with Jesus in the morning or at night, whenever you do it, that's fine, but spending time with Jesus. But when you do, do you understand what you are reading? And maybe some of us would feel just like this eunuch. How can I unless someone explains it to me? Realize we have something this eunuch didn't have. Not only do you have pastors, teachers, people that can explain the word of God to you, and that's very good, and that's why we're here in the first place. You also have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, able to make plain these truths of, of Scripture. The natural man can't conceive these things. He can't understand these things. But we have the spirit of God who can lead us into all truth. Doesn't matter how complex, how profound. All truth is available to us through the Holy Spirit living inside of us. If you've asked the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. So if that's true, do you understand what you are reading? It's a serious question. Because if you really did understand what you are reading... I think it would have an impact on your life. But maybe we don't take the time to sit at the feet of Jesus and ask, Lord, what are you speaking to me? What are you saying to me? Can you explain what this passage means? I'll be honest with you. I went through the book of Ezekiel recently and reading through it, I was just like, I do not understand a word that I'm reading. A lot of these prophecies and, and things like that, it just it, it's very hard to understand what he's trying to say, and how I can apply that to my life. And that's why you have to do a lot of research. That's why you have to dig deeper. That's why you have to ask hard questions. And don't be afraid, because God has the answers. And if this is legit, and we're not just making this up, you're going to find those answers. So, Do you understand what you're reading? And we respond, how can I unless someone guides me? Well, we have someone that can guide us. Think about this. In the course of a week, everyone look up here. This is really important. In the course of a week, how much do you think about Jesus' love for you? Throughout your day, how much do you concentrate on the fact that Jesus Christ died for you? And he loves you. As Pastor Lloyd this past Wednesday shared, if God was willing to do the greatest act of love for us, which was dying on the cross, wouldn't he be willing to do the lesser act of love, which is everything else? Profound stuff. And if we're really meditating, considering those truths, those truths will be growing inside of our bosom, if you, were, if, if you will, and it will come out. And we'll be sharing it with others. We'll be sharing that joy with other people. And people will be wondering, what is so different about Zach Stoltzfus? What is so different about Carly or Jasmine? Any one of you here? What is so different? What do you have that I don't have? Because it seems like whenever there's a natural disaster, whenever things just don't go well, we have people in this fellowship whose relatives have been hurt or even have died, And yet there's a fortitude inside of each and every one of you. What is it that allows you to keep on going? And you can say, Jesus. That is Jesus living inside of me and you can have him too. Because every other religion is about trying to find your answers. But Jesus reveals himself to us. You don't even have to search. You just have to listen. So this love should stir us to have compassion on others who are missing out. If you're so filled and consumed with the love of God, then you're going to be wanting to speak to people that are missing out on it. You want to share it with other people because that person doesn't know Jesus. And they should. That person looks depressed and we need to cheer them up because we have the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen very carefully. You will not be an effective evangelist if the love of God is not burning in your heart. You're not going to be an effective evangelist if the love of God is not burning in your heart. Jesus on the road to Emmaus was talking to those two people. and Remember what they said? Did our hearts not burn within us as he spoke to us? The things concerning himself. Does your heart burn with a passion for those that are lost and also with a passion for the Savior? Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Jesus saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. I had a friend this week who's just been going through a rough time. And I had compassion on him. I started praying for him because I knew he was going through a lot. He lost a friend recently and a lot of other things are going on in his life. He was weary. And you know what? If I just remain silent, I would be quenching the spirit. Because the, the spirit of God wants to reach those that are wounded. Jesus said, I didn't come to the healthy people, but to those that are sick. Jesus came to bind up their wounds. To heal every single wound that we have. So, with that exhortation, the first thing that we have to remember is that we have to have the right reaction to Christ. That is the beginning of true evangelism. Everything else is just conjuring it up. And it's not going to work. You're going to say, well, I guess I should evangelize. I'm obligated to evangelize. I'm going to go out and talk about Jesus. And it's going to come off awkward. It's going to be weird. You need to have the right reaction to Christ to have that before people. Secondly, we have to have the right kind of living Evangelism means the right kind of living. Romans 12.1 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 real quick. Then we'll get into some role playing very soon. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 Verses 14 through 17. I talk about this verse often, but it's one I always go back to when I think about evangelism. And I also don't feel a need, like I have to find new verses. Like I have to, sometimes it's okay to repeat because it's so powerful. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in what? What does he say? In losing? No, in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ let me break that down for you because maybe you didn't understand a word I just said that's okay I think one of the reasons I was chosen by the Lord to be in this position is because I have ADD too and most of the message I'll just zone out that's happened to me countless times so you know I have to do the Bible says to be sober-minded gird up the loins of your mind in other words take all the threads and bring them together and think sober-mindedly think concentrate On the truth of the gospel. Because Satan doesn't want you to pay attention right now. But this is really, really important. So think about this. It says right here in this passage. That we are to be the fragrance of Christ. You know, when I just went in one of the restrooms here. Someone I guess sprayed cologne or perfume. I couldn't really tell. Maybe it was actually like the bathroom freshener or something. But it was a fragrance. And it diffused all throughout the place. I actually walked out. I still smelled like it a little bit. Think about it this way. When you have an aroma, when you have a fragrance, it diffuses throughout the entire room. And so when you walk in, and you kind of have this, as uh, some people like Joey Rosek have said, you have a sphere of influence. You have an area around you in which you can affect other people. When you walk into Starbucks, when you walk into your schools, you have a place where you can diffuse the fragrance of Christ. Now, it won't always be life-giving aroma, in some cases, Ashley says, to those that are perishing, we have the aroma of death leading to death. So in other words, you might even stink a little bit. You might be offensive to some people because the message, message of the gospel says, yeah, you aren't living the right way. And you need to change your life. That's what repent means. Turn around, go the other direction because you're headed for death. So are we diffusing that aroma of Christ in every place that we go? Now, I'm guilty of this. I am guilty of going into a place and people not knowing that I'm a Christian. The question is, are you willing to change that fact? Are you willing to have an undeniable experience with God in which you can't hold it back and it is diffusing throughout your pores, throughout your life? Is your heart in the right place? In other words, is your heart in the right place before the Lord? This is the right kind of living that you have to have when evangelizing. Is there any sin in your life that needs to be confessed? Is there anything holding you back, holding your witness back? It's hard to witness the people if you're playing around, doing the exact same jokes as they do. You know, they have this foul language. And some people say, well, and this is, I think I actually got a really good analogy for this. Because some people say that, well, these curse words aren't really bad. And there's nothing inherently wrong with this. It's not really wrong to say this word. It's just what culture deems appropriate or not appropriate. You know what else is like that? Being naked. There's nothing inherently wrong with being naked, right? But culturally, we don't want people walking around naked. In the same way, language is powerful. And just because you're convincing your own mind saying, I don't think this word is bad, that doesn't mean it's not going to offend other people. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to look like the world. And in the culture that we live in, there are words that people associate with people that aren't Christian. And there is a lifestyle that people associate with people that aren't Christian. So are you willing to be set apart, holy, before the Lord? Offer your body as a living sacrifice, knowing that every single sacrifice that you give is not really even a sacrifice. Because you're rewarded in heaven for everything that you do. For God. Is there any sin in your life? Is your heart before the Lord right? Matthew 15, 8. Jesus says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You can go around evangelizing. I know people have told me, people my age say they go to bars and they go evangelizing. And I'm I'm not even saying like borderline like they don't get drunk or anything like that. I'm saying people that are living in promiscuity and drinking, and getting drunk, and saying, well, I tried evangelizing. It was kind of hard because I was drunk, but, and it's like, really? Like, how does that count for anything? You realize that in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 through 23, Jesus says something very powerful. Pay attention to this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's got to be the scariest thing in the world, to believe that you're doing the right thing and go before the person you thought had a, you had a relationship with. And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. That's got to be the scariest, saddest thing. Is your heart right before the Lord? You can do a lot of wonders. You might even get people saved through your works. But is your heart right before the Lord? So we need to have the right reaction towards Christ, the right living, and the last point is that you have to have the right message. You can't go around and like you might have the right heart but then you're like yes and i i I think jesus is the only way i'm not really sure you need to have the right message when evangelizing so that's why it's important to spend time studying the scriptures rightfully discerning between truth it's one thing for me to say there's a guy over there in the corner by the sound booth there's no one there right now you don't have to turn around oh pen's there if i said There's a guy over in the corner of the room, and he loves you very much. Now, there's two reactions you could have towards that. Wow, that's really creepy, because I have no idea who that guy is. Or you could say, oh, well, that's awesome. Well, yeah, I'm kind of flattered. Maybe I can get his number afterwards. (laughs) Two kinds of reactions, two very different things. One's based upon, what do you know about this person? So I might be able to say, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. But it only comes out as words if you don't know who Jesus is. That's why we have to take time to explain these things with people. Don't be afraid of developing a relationship with these people that you're evangelizing to. It's okay to be friends with them. That's what Jesus did. People accuse him of being friends of sinners and prostitutes and drunkards and all these things. But Jesus spent time with these people. Developed relationships with them. And we are to do that as well. All right, so role-playing time. It's time to get exciting. I'm going to pretend to be an atheist. You guys are obviously the Christians. So I'm going to ask that someone comes up here, and you're going to try to evangelize to me. Very simple. I'll guide you through it. Don't worry. And listen, everyone that has the boldness to come up here, we want to cheer them on, and we want to... uh, recognize that it's a really difficult thing to come before your peers and talk to me and try to make me a Christian. (laughs) So who wants to go first? Anyone that volunteers, recognize that this is experience that's very rare for you to get, and it's very valuable. And we're going to all learn from this. So just because there's one person up here, you guys will be able to feed information to them and help them out too, and I'll give you breaks for that. So we'll take it slow. I won't hurt you. Raise your hand if you're willing. you got to have one person. Come on. Boldness. All right, we'll start with CJ. Mike, I'm just going to start to you. And I'm going to start the conversation with you. And you need to change it to a spiritual conversation. Mm-hmm. Right? Yo, CJ, bro, dude, there's a party Friday night. There's going to be lots of hot girls there and, like, lots of drinking and stuff. Like, uh, you should totally come. What are you doing
1: Friday night? Uh, um, I was going to church, man. Church? Why would you go to church? Because, like, we're, we're, like, honoring and worshiping God, man. Like, he, like. That's boring. Oh, that's boring. So that's what you're going to be like in this situation.
0: You're You're telling me that obeying these rules and regulations is more fun than drinking? Well, I was, I didn't get to
1: that like I was
0: I was okay. I was on
1: the verge of explaining it like Okay, explain.
0: So what's so fun that you'd be willing to well, miss out on Friday night?
1: Well, I'm willing to give that up because God gave us a life and he didn't give it to us so we could go and get drunk and like do bad things and and it's just Yeah,
0: but it's fun.
1: Yeah, but it's not the right thing. You got to think of it like you know, logically and ethically. I am man. thinking logically. No, you're do not. Do the fun thing or do nah. the boring
0: thing. I want to do the fun thing.
1: The fun thing kills your brain cells, All right, pause, the,
0: pause the game. Someone help him.
1: Oh, okay. Irene.
0: What? Irene says he has a better purpose, a better plan. Okay. Katie. The fun things aren't the most rewarding things. Okay. Yes. The Holy Spirit satisfies more than than drinking does. Yes. Eternal consequences. Okay. CJ, which one do you want to take of those?
1: Uh, I'm going to have to go with... Uh, da, 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 da.
0: All right. Let me just explain for a second because... Yeah. Sh- Everything that you guys said is correct. All those things. Things of God are more pleasurable than than sin. But how do you demonstrate that to your friends? Like, think about it. Your friend wants you to party on a Friday night. It looks really fun. And you're saying, well, I like going to church and we have worship there. And we all sing songs and stuff. How can you demonstrate that one? Okay. Julia. Right. Okay. So Julia says that there are consequences to my actions. I could get drunk and then the next day you're going to ha- have a hangover and things like that. Everyone give him a hand. CJ, you can sit down. Right. Oh, I thought I was going to finish. No.
1: Oh, so you're just coming?
0: Yes. Let me explain something for you guys here. This is really important. While I was talking to CJ, who was asking all the questions? I was asking all the questions. It's okay for you to ask questions too. And something that Julia brought up would be a good thing about how all these things end in sadness. You know, like you get drunk, it's fun for the moment, but the next day, it's not so fun. But so asking questions, it might have been good for CJ to ask me, like, well, why do you, what do you do afterwards? You know, after the party's over, do you ever feel lonely do you ever feel sad and i might have a smoke screen it's like no no i'm fine i'm whatever and then you can talk about um everything that the bible says because my conception of christianity is a bunch of rules like no to this no to this no to this but the bible every time there's a no in the bible it's because god has already said yes to something else sounds like we're underwater so pay attention this is really important Every time the Bible says no to something, it's because God has said yes to something else previously. So you can point out something like, think about it this way. You know, sex seems to be something that's really fun and a lot of people engage in And they say, why should you deprive yourselves of these pleasures and stuff like that? But if everyone just obeyed this one commandment, which is not to have sex before marriage, there would be no rape, there would be no unwanted babies, which would reduce all the abortions, And no STDs, because people aren't having sex outside of that marriage covenant. So, what do you think is better—a world with STDs, with rape, with unwanted children—or a world in which people obey God's rules? And you ask them that question, and now I'm forced to give you the answer. Well, I guess that is a better world. And yeah, I do have this guilt, and sometimes I do feel. And then that person will start admitting these things, and that's when you can bring in the gospel. So don't don't let me hog the conversation. You need to get to the main thing, which is what? Jesus Christ. Always get back to the main thing. That's really important. All right, who's, who's next? So, Maddie, I know you're a Christian, and, and it seems like you love God and you're into that. But how can you believe the Bible when we all know that it's been changed over the years, and, like, it's just how can you even believe anything that it says?
2: Well, you know, it's been changed so many times, but that's different versions of the Bible. But in reality, if you look at the, the original Hebrew and the Greek texts, they're not actually different. Um, lots of archaeologists archeolo- archeolo- ar- <laughs> have um, gone through it and they've shown that there are only tiny mistakes where it's in grammar or small mistakes like that, but the truth and the message of the Bible has never changed.
0: But what about all the all the contradictions in the Bible?
2: Can you give me an example of one?
0: Uh, no, but I'm sure it's in there. Yeah. See, what she did right there was good, because most people can't tell you a contradiction, and if they do, you'll gladly look at it and, and resolve it. But anyway, keep on going. So, no, I can't. I I don't know. Have you
2: ever read the Bible for yourself? Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, not. I mean, I've read bits and pieces of it, but I got the gist. There's the God, Jesus.
2: So, who's told you about these contradictions?
0: Uh, I just, you know, I, I hear on the internet and stuff.
2: Do you believe everything on the internet?
0: No. <laughs> no, I, I guess, uh, I guess not. But, how? I mean, okay, let's say that the Bible's the same or whatever, but how can you know that the Bible is the Word of God, and when there's the Quran and you got the Book of Mormon, and you got the Hindu Vedas and all these other books. How do you know the Bible is the right one? Well,
2: for me, I've had personal experiences with my God and the Bible of the Quran. um, He's not a personal God. Um,
0: Have you read the Quran?
2: (laughs) No, I have not, but I have read um, pieces by... um,
0: here it's okay to lie. No, <laughs> kidding.
2: Um, pieces by um, Islam is what. Um, pieces about Islam and what they believe, and I've taken worldview classes. And Allah is not a personal god. Our God wants to have a personal relationship with you, while Allah doesn't care about you. Um, you just have to do good deeds for Him. For
0: Really no reason. Interesting. Okay. Well, thank you, Maddie. That was very good. <laughs> so, at this point, all we've gotten to is defending, and that's, that's really good. And so far, we've only had a very short conversation. Don't be afraid of getting on the offense. You don't always have to be on the defense and defending everything you believe. So that's really tiring, and most of the time, you might not even know the answers even though there are good answers out there. But ask what I believe, too. That's what pre-evangelism is all about, tilling the soil of the person's mind so they're ready to receive what the gospel has to say. All right, who's next? DJ, come on up.
3: Can I start?
0: Yes, I'll let you start and just share the gospel with me. All
3: right. So, Brian, I heard you're an atheist. Brian? O'Brien, no!
0: (laughs) TJ, have I not raised you?
3: (laughs) You're scaring me. All right. Continue. Salon, I heard you're an atheist. How do you think the world was created? Say that again? How do you think the world was created?
0: I just figured that we're all like, you know, randomly put up here and evolution and whatever.
3: Have you ever read the Bible? No. Do you know, do you believe in evolution?
0: Yeah, I believe in evolution.
3: So you believe the world's created by nothing? I
0: believe that, I don't really understand, but I'm sure the scientists can figure it out.
3: So you're saying the Bible that God isn't is nothing? Wait, what? <laughs> so you're saying God is... Like nothing, like the world just happened. There was no God. There was. I no don't Bible. think there's
0: God now. Forgive me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever read the first verse of Genesis?
0: No, I haven't
3: read the Bible. Oh, well, in Genesis one one it says, "In the beginning, God created any." Wo- wow, that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So if you're saying God was. If nothing was created and the Bible says God created the uh, world, that means God is something and not nothing, and that what you're believing is a lie.
0: Well, I don't want to talk to you anymore since you're just telling me that I'm a liar and believing in lies. But uh, how, do you, how do you know that the Bible's reliable?
3: Because. All right. <laughs> All right, thanks, DJ. All right, shh.
0: I need someone to present the gospel to me.
1: Hello, uh, what's your name again? Alan. Alan, have you ever read the Bible before? No, I haven't read the Bible. Have you ever, like, heard about Jesus before? I've heard about Jesus. Do you trust in him? No. Why not? I don't trust in imaginary people. God, proved, God is real. Like, archaeologists even know that Jesus was on this earth a long time ago. Well, I mean, I'm sure that he was a real person, but I don't believe he was God. He was a perfect life. Everyone tried to prove, tried to get him guilty on something, and no one could get anything out of him. How do you know that? The Bible says so.
0: Well, how do you know the Bible is
1: reliable? Because it's God's word. Says who? (laughs) Says God. (laughs) Interesting. So I believe in the Quran because the Quran says that it's the word of God. Miracles also happened back then. They have like eyewitness accounts of it like in all kinds of like papers. Can you give me one eyewitness account that you know of? Like when Jesus came back, from, when Jesus came back from the dead, like five hundred people saw him. They have like eyewitness accounts of that. Where? Like uh, history, and like history places.
0: Name that person.
1: I don't know the name exactly, but so
0: you're just making up facts on the spot. No. I can give you reasons I don't believe in God. If there was God, why is there so much evil and suffering in the world?
1: God lets us go through things so that we have, that we know we have to trust in Him.
0: So God would allow, like, the shooting uh, at Sandy Hook Elementary School just because there's better things that are going to happen because of it?
1: Could be. Well, that's kind of messed up. I don't want to believe in a God like that. God's plan doesn't always, like, clear. He has a way to work things out. Though.
0: Well, how do you know it's a good plan? I think that's a terrible plan. Let's go kill some kids, and then and then better things will come out of it. I think that's really offensive, actually. You want me to start? yeah
4: okay um so alan what do you believe like do you, how do you believe the world was created
0: uh i don't or really know
4: how it came about you don't I don't,
0: know i don't really know
4: have you ever thought about it before not really <laughs> well why not
0: because there's more important things i think it's all just like people just believe what they want to believe and whatever works for them is cool
4: okay um have you ever thought about where you're going when you die
0: Um, not really.
4: Doesn't that scare you just a little bit?
0: No. (laughs) Like I said, it doesn't matter what you believe. You could believe in Jesus, and if it works for you, that's cool. But I don't really believe in Jesus, and I think it's fine.
4: But how can you believe that everyone can believe in what they want to believe? But, like, obviously that doesn't work because not everyone's religion matches up together. Like... You say that you don't believe, you know, the world was created. You don't, you haven't thought about it, and you don't know where you're going when you die, but, like, I don't agree with that. So how can, like, all the world work? Like, if, yeah, you believe what you believe, but that doesn't
0: Well, that's work. because I don't think that there's any truth to anything that people say.
4: Wait, but that's not a true statement. Like, if you don't believe that, how can that statement be true if you don't believe there's truth than anyone says?
0: Uh, the statement's true just because I think it is.
4: But that... That's that's not logical. You can't say something that how ever don't have to, to be, be so mean.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, you can't say that. Um, that what people. Wait, <laughs> can you repeat what you just said?
0: I said, don't be so mean.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, before that.
0: Oh, I think that the statement's true just because I think it's true, but. What's the point of what we're talking about?
4: <laughs> no, I'm so lost right now.
0: <laughs> Help her out, guys. What would you do at this point? Of
4: course you had to choose the one that I...
0: Yes, Meh. Harley. So Ashley suggests, I'm repeating it for the recording. Why don't you try saying, uh, it, would you like to know for sure? If, uh, if you could know for sure, would you want to know where you're going when you die? So far, no one shared the gospel with me. And uh, I'm going to open this up to all of you collectively. So just raising your hands. Someone share the gospel with me. Try to convince me right now. I'm the angry atheist. I want to know Jesus. Katie, go.
5: Okay. So um, have you ever put in any thought uh, as to what happens after you die?
0: You know, I actually have. You know, I think when uh, my brother died recently, it made me think about it. But I don't know.
5: So, you really don't know what happens?
0: I, I don't think we can know what happens when you die.
5: So, if you were to take a guess at what happens, any, like what you believe, because you have to have some sort of belief. So, what do you believe? Like
0: I believe, mm, I, I don't know. I really don't know what I believe.
5: Can I tell you what I believe? Sure. Well.
0: See, that was good. She asked me, and I said yes.
5: Well, um. I believe that, um, well, you've heard of the Bible, have you?
0: I have heard of the Bible.
5: And have you heard of Jesus?
0: I've heard of Jesus, yes.
5: Well, I believe that God sent his son Jesus to die for us and for our sins because, I mean, okay, no, I don't like this. Okay, sorry. (laughs) For our sins because we're all sinners and we all fall short. We all don't make the mark. You know, we all miss a mark because if God is perfect and holy, you know, God's not of this earth. I'm speaking Christianese, ain't I? (laughs) Uh, No,
0: not really. I I understand what you're saying.
5: Okay. Um, Then I lost my train of thought as well. Well, hold on. Okay. I'm just going to start over. All right. So anyway. I believe that you know he sent his son to die for us and die for our sins because in our hearts we're all evil. And
0: I don't think I'm evil.
5: You don't think you're evil?
0: No, I think I'm a basically good person.
5: All right. Well, the Bible has a set of rules called the Ten Commandments. How's Why you? do we have to
0: listen to the Bible's rules?
5: Well, do you believe? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> all
0: right, everyone, give Katie a hand. So this is where I think, no, don't be frustrated. It's okay. It's okay because this is where you, you guys can all learn. Because I think every one of us is getting stuck in the same place, which is you don't know where to go next, right? Does that seem to be the consensus? You start a conversation, but you're just lost. You're like, uh, what do I start with? What I, I talk about creation. Okay, let's talk about creation. And you never actually get to the gospel. Focus on the main thing. This is really important to remember. Memorize the Romans road if you can. Write this down if you got notes. Romans road is Romans, this is all in the book of Romans. It just explains the gospel. Romans 3.23, 6.23, 5.8, 10.9 through 10. 10. 10:13. 3:23, 623? 58. 10,9 through10. 10:13. All right, pay attention. Really important. I need everyone to focus for the last couple of minutes. So in evangelism, I always try to put myself in that person's shoes. Am I going to convince myself? Am I convincing enough that if I were in that person's shoes, I convince myself? So I always try to answer the questions that they might even be forming before they even raise those questions. So even I'll say things like, now I know this sounds crazy, it might not sound reasonable at first, but if you compare it with what evidence is out there, you know, and you say little things like that to, to show that you approve of them, always look to ask those questions. That's kind of like what pre-evangelism was about last week. So you're asking these questions to engage their thoughts so that they can come to the conclusions themselves. But just strictly talking gospel first before we talk about 12 points that show Christianity is true. Just talking about the gospel. If you were told that you should share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with someone, I would do it something like this. Remember, as Mark a. Hill says, evangelism isn't a presentation, it's a what? It's a conversation. So as I give this to you, although it sounds like a presentation, I would just ask them questions here and there, just so that I could um, get it through. Ashley, why don't we have someone come up real quick so I can just demonstrate. John, why don't you come up? So let's pretend that you're receptive to what I'm about to say, because I already went through pre-evangelism with you. You're just kind of hearing the gospel. So, you know, John, uh, can I just share with you what I believe for yeah, a second? Yeah, sure. So I just think that, like, I look around at the world and what's what's all happened and I look at creation and I said, you know, this has to have come from somewhere, you know. And I believe, you know, as a Christian, I believe that Jesus has revealed himself to us through the Bible and God's word has come down to us. And because of that, um, I, you know, I look at the things that I've done. I can always point at people in the world and say that person's evil, that person's evil. But there's a problem. I realize that I've done things wrong too. And I'm sure that you can relate with that. You've done things wrong. You know, there are things that you regret in life. And the question is, what happens you know, after you die? And what from what the Bible says, remember, I'm just going through this as if I already went through pre-evangelism with them. So I went through the Bible, how we know it's God's word, all those things. The Bible says that there's none good, no, not one. Hmm. So think about it this way, because the standard to getting to heaven is that you have to be perfect. So God created the world. It was perfect. It was good. But the problem is we all have free will. So we started sinning. We started screwing up. And because of that, God says, well, that's a problem. My standard is perfection to go to heaven. And if you ask, well, why is the standard perfection? Think about it this way. If imperfect people or basically good people like you and I were able to go to heaven, in heaven it would just be just like earth. Basically good people that screw up sometimes and get angry at each other. And that wouldn't be heaven at all. It would just be just like earth. So God said the standard is perfection. Well, that's a problem. No one's good. Well, that's why he said, you know what, I'm going to send my only son to do what no human could do, become like us, live amongst us, and live a perfect life so that you and you and I wouldn't have to. So all Jesus says is, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die for your sins. Take your place because the punishment of sin, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. No one else died for your sins, only Jesus. All you have to do is accept Jesus' uh, free gift by saying... You know what? I am sorry for what I did. I recognize that I've done things wrong and I don't want to do that anymore. And you accept that free gift and you go to heaven. Hmm. How's that sound? How can I do that? Well, you can pray this prayer. Bam. (laughs) Thank you, John. So Romans three twenty-three says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans six twenty-three for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is is uh, free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans five eight. But God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, while you were still sinning against God, God died for you. Romans ten nine through ten. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth. Confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10:13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the gospel message right then and there. So the message is starts off with God made the world, but then you have man's problem. We all sinned. Then you have God's solution. I'm gonna send Jesus. And now you have man's response. What are you gonna do? So you have God's creation, he made the world perfect, man's problem. God's solution, sending Jesus, and man's response. What will you do with that which has been done for you? That's the gospel message. And you share that when someone is receptive to what you have to share. And if you say it with sincerity and, like, you really care about people, you'll be surprised at how many people are willing to listen. If you say, can I just share something that, like, really means a lot to you? I've said this to people before, a lot of my friends. Listen, I don't think if, you know, if I really call myself a Christian, I would be a hypocrite if I didn't tell you what the most important thing in my life is. And you mind if I share that with you? And if you tell those people, people will accept that. Um, so but before that, an important thing that you could uh, memorize is an outline called 12 points that show that Christianity is true. We don't have any time left to go over that. But just, just so you know, it's available to you, and I can give it to you afterwards if you would like. Anytime you're evangelizing, a lot of you didn't really know where to start off. Some of you talk about, like, creation. Maybe we just start with the beginning of the universe and things like that. You don't have to start with the beginning of the universe if they already accept that there was a beginning or they they even accept that there's a God. You have to ask yourself, where is this person along in their coming to faith in Jesus? So the 12 points of Christianity uh, that show that Christianity is true very quickly is this. Number one, truth about reality is knowable. Number two, the opposite of true is false. Number three, it is true that a theistic God exists. Number four, if God exists, then miracles are possible. Number five, miracles can be used to confirm the message from God. Number six, the New Testament is historically reliable. Number seven, the New Testament says Jesus claimed to be God. Number eight, Jesus claimed to be God was miraculously confirmed by prophecies, miraculous life, sinless life and accomplished his resurrection. Number 9, therefore Jesus is God. Number 10, whatever Jesus who is God teaches is true. Number 11, Jesus taught that the Bible is the word of God, and number 12, therefore it is true that the Bible is the word of God and anything opposed to it is false. It sounds like it makes no sense and it has no relevance to what we talked about tonight, but think about it this way. Anytime you're lost in a conversation, not knowing where to go next, this will help you. So if I'm not even accepting truth I don't even think there is a such thing as truth. You got to address that first. Realize that's a contradiction, because anything you say, I just you know dismiss as if it's just your belief, but it doesn't really matter. Now, if I believe that God exists, you don't have to go about truth. You don't have to talk about those things. You can just jump right over to, well, do you know that Jesus was God, and this is miraculously confirmed through prophecies about Him in the Bible and through His resurrection, His sinless life, etc. So. We can talk about that some other time, just letting you know that the resources are available in case you're just stuck not knowing where to go. Um, Let me just close with this verse, and that is Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. It really is true, guys. Don't be scared, like, just because you feel like you don't know a lot. It doesn't matter what you know. It really doesn't. It's the Holy Spirit working in you to change people's lives. Believe it or not, when I knew less about Christianity, I found more people becoming saved when I talked to them and evangelized to them. It's really weird. It's just like I just figured it just happens to everybody. Like I go up to people and be like, hey, you should believe in Jesus. I'm like, how do I get saved? And like it happened. And I figured it always happened like that. And then eventually I got older, I learned more about Christianity. And then God sent me these intellectual people my way. I'm like, oh, no. No. And when we are in England, there were these people like that would have these two-hour... I, I was able to go through every single argument for the existence of God with, with a group of people. Like I went through the cosmological argument, the teleological argument, the moral argument, the ontological argument. Because they learned that in their schools. And they knew exactly what I was talking about. It was really weird. But um, you guys probably don't have to face things like that. So don't, have to, don't feel like you have to be technical on those things. Remember what we talked about in the beginning... The right reaction towards christ they'll see that excitement in you like what is this that you have that i don't have you have to have the right living you know it can't be a filthy rotten unforgiven sinner you have to uh repent of your sins follow jesus and lastly have the right message be able to study these things and learn because you find as you're having these conversations they become that more relevant so let's pray